are listening to a podcast from The National. Lebanon, for the first time in almost 10 years, voted to elect 128 members to parliament. There are two main takeaways from the results. One, that Saad Hariri, the current prime minister of Lebanon and his Sunni-dominated party, fared better than expected. And two, that Hezbollah, the Shia movement, and its allies won more seats than ever before. As in almost any election in the Arab world, this one was marred in controversy. Voter turnout was low, with less than half of the population taking to the ballots. Those who did vote accused the system of voter fraud. The Lebanese Association for Democratic Elections reported over 7,000 polling violations in Sunday's vote. Fights broke out in the streets, and at least three candidates accused other parties of intimidation. But in some ways, this is still better than no elections at all. This is what Saad Hariri, the Prime Minister, had to say about it. The international community always wanted an election, and we had an election, and this is the results of the elections. I think the results are in favor of Lebanon, of a free Lebanon, uh, of democracy, of a free democracy in Lebanon. I think uh, that Lebanon has showed the international community, its uh, resolve in dealing with the refugee issues and everything. I think uh, Lebanon, the international community, should uh, look at the results in a very positive way. This is the only way I can see it. So what does it mean for the region that the Iran-supported group has now won more seats than ever before? And will these elections change the stagnating situation in Lebanon? I'm Nasal Wesmi, and on this episode of Beyond the Headlines, we'll look to answer these questions. Today, we talk to Arthur McMillan, the foreign editor at The National. He has over a decade of experience reporting in the region and has visited Lebanon dozens of times. He just returned from Beirut, where he was reporting on the elections. You can find his coverage on this important event at thenational.ae. It's been nine years since Lebanon voted for its parliament. How do Sunday's results stack up to previous elections? Well, the results left Lebanon with a more fractured political system and the dividing lines between what had been the established political blocs have blurred. And as a result of Sunday, we now have a more disparate grouping of parties from across the religious divide in Lebanon working together in parliament. So there are Christians, Sunni Muslims and Shia groups in Lebanon. And some of the collaborations mean that there is greater political cohesion, but at the same time, a less distinctive political battle between the main parties. Going back to why it took nine years, I mean, Why did it take so long? And was anyone poised to benefit from that? Well, the main event that has intervened in that time has been the civil war in Syria. And it's really a question of whether you believe Lebanon's politicians um, on whether that was the reason for postponing the elections, because this reason was cited twice in 2013 as the reason for the elections not taking place. And what happened then was that the MPs effectively granted themselves a new four-year term. And last year, the election didn't happen because there were some 
disagreements over the need for a new electoral law. But that law was finally passed last year, and that's how we had the election in 2018. Mm -hmm. For a country that is so deeply political, um, whereas people are quite knowledgeable about both domestic and regional politics, why was voter turnout so low? There's a great deal of apathy in Lebanon because the people have been through so much and there is very little trust in their politicians. If you go back to the Civil War and the ending of the Civil War in 1990, Lebanon was effectively controlled by Syrian security forces and there was a... I can only say uh, an aversion uh, among uh, many groups in Lebanon about the fact that while the war had ended, the Lebanese were not in control of the country. But if we just fast forward in terms of Syrian control, the assassination of the Prime Minister Rafiq Hariri in 2005 was a political fault line in Lebanon's recent history because what that event sparked were the first major protests in Lebanon, which ultimately led to so much domestic and international pressure that Syrian forces pulled out of Lebanon. What has changed since is that politics, from going from that very divided time where there were people who wanted Syria in the country and people who wanted Syria out of the country, the politics since has become less clear. So a group like Hezbollah that has sympathies to Syria and alliances with Syria has managed to co-opt groups who previously had been anti-Syrian. And as a result, instead of there being two movements in Lebanon, March 8 and March 14, which stem from various events in Lebanon's past, we now still have those two groups, but the people comprising the two blocks have changed and some of them are collaborating rather than opposing each other. Before these elections, there was a feeling that the results were already set. You, you reported on that, that it would make no difference if they went out to vote. Why is that? It was very much a case that the electoral law had made two-thirds of the seats very predictable in terms of the outcome because the electoral law was established to take cognizance of Lebanon's 18 different religions and sects, and seats are divided up along that basis. And because the new electoral law was based on a proportional representation system, it was possible to determine from the 15 districts in the country where seats roughly would go purely on the population of those areas. It was 90% certain as long as a certain number of voters from each party went out, they would know where the seats were going. In many ways, this put people off from voting because they thought they would not, they thought their vote would not count. On that note, uh, this new electoral law, I mean, how is it looked upon by Lebanese? Uh, do they look upon it favorably or not? Many people were confused partly because they weren't voting once, they had to vote twice. So first of all, they would support a list of people who were standing. And secondly, they would vote for an individual candidate. So the very fact that they weren't voting once 
they were voting twice confused people because it's arguable but that that fact was not communicated to people. So you'd have people going into voting booths, and this did happen. People cast their ballot wrongly. They either ticked once, or they ticked twice, or they ticked the wrong box that they had to tick rather than an individual candidate. The bottom line was there was confusion. And even in the run-up to the election, because the alliances were not as in the past, many people couldn't understand why they would be voting for one group of candidates who had previously opposed another group of candidates on the same list. So the fact was, in times past, you could, you'd have had two politicians who opposed each other. This time, they may well have been running together. Mm-hmm. And this added to a general theme of confusion, which probably did have at least a marginal effect on turnout. Well, now that Parliament is set, what will likely be the first issue to tackle? It may not be a case of what would be the first issue to tackle rather than what will be kicked into the long grass because the the main impact of the results, with a 128-seat Parliament, any group can exercise blocking power of legislation if they have a simple majority of 65 seats So while Hezbollah and its main ally only gained 29 seats, they have the support of other groups that take it over the 65 threshold. Therefore, there may be legislation wanted in the parliament from the remaining members of parliament that Hezbollah, if it does not like, will be able to block. And there have been examples in recent years of family legislation, for example, that Hezbollah did not think appropriate for Lebanon and they managed to block it, they will find that even easier to do now given that they have more power in the parliament. Speaking of Hezbollah, let's zoom out. This was a huge success for the Shia-dominated party. Hezbollah, but what about Iran? How will this affect regional politics? Well, Iran will be happy with this result and some Iranian media organizations, which are all, in one way or another, state-aligned, said so very quickly after the initial results came out. For Iran, they see Hezbollah as their strongest, strongest ally in the region because they are based on the same religion, Shiism, and they have military power supplied by Iran. And they are on the border with Israel. So for Iran, this vote has strengthened their ally, therefore making it simpler for them to operate in Lebanon or exercise power through their proxy in Lebanon, which has long been their want. It has also helped Iran because despite some of the fears that Hezbollah's action in Syria would impact the group at home in Lebanon in the elections, That really didn't happen. Going back to something you said earlier, in Lebanon, politically, is being pro-Syria also being pro-Iran? I wouldn't say so, although the interests do overlap. The history of Lebanon is that Syria, being the bigger power, both geographically and politically, has always had an interest in Lebanon, given its access to the sea. Back in the 1930s, a Syrian socialist party 
was set up specifically with the aim of safeguarding Syrian interests in Lebanon. And as a result of that party, Christians in Lebanon set up a different party to defend Lebanon. And the Syrian presence has been a factor in Lebanon's development since. In terms of the Syria and Iran connection, it's more a case of overlapping interests in the sense that there is a war going on in Syria. Iran has been supporting the regime of President Bashar al-Assad, but not solely for Syrian gains. Again, Iran felt the need to back up Assad because if he was to fall, they would lose their gateway to Lebanon and their stronghold in southern Lebanon against Israel. So it was really a case of self-interest. What we're seeing now is a situation where Bashar al-Assad is probably going to survive. But this situation is changing because Israel is becoming involved. Israel does not want to see a permanent Iranian presence in Syria. And for that reason, they're taking military action against Iranian targets in Syria. But at the same time, Assad, thinking he is going to survive, is seeking to regain the sovereignty of Syria. And he probably doesn't want Iranian bases on his territory either. So in many ways, Assad maybe isn't totally against the Israeli action. And that's why we're now going to see an interesting power play in the whole region about how far Israel is willing to go to hit back at those Iranian targets. The risk, of course, is that there could be miscalculation and any conflict could spill into Lebanon, partly because Hezbollah is involved. You said that Israel does not want to see an Iranian presence in Syria. Surely they don't want to see an Iranian presence in Lebanon. What does that spell for Lebanon's neighbours? The outcome may well embolden Israel to take firmer action. Several Israeli officials have said that they will not separate Lebanon from Hezbollah. Effectively, they will treat anyone in Lebanon as if they were part of Hezbollah. This is an oversimplification, but it's being done for strategic reasons because the last time that Hezbollah fought with Israel in 2006, the Israelis are widely perceived to have received a bloody nose. And Israel was caught out on that occasion. And preemptively, they are seeking to, to give a message that that would not happen again and any response would be much stronger. By saying that, they are trying to dissuade Hezbollah from escalating any action against Israel because the threat would be that Lebanon as a whole would pay for that military action. So who are the winners and who are the losers of these elections? Well, I think it's fairly clear that Hezbollah are smiling after these elections. So while their own personal number of seats may not have increased massively, the people they were allied with did. And, and that's what's going to take them over the threshold of that half, of that simple majority in parliament. If we were to look at the personalities of Lebanon, the two dominant figures 
now remain Hassan Nasrallah, who is the chief of Hezbollah, who spoke after the vote results and said that this was a victory for Lebanon. It was also a, a victory for Hezbollah. And by definition, because he lost a third of his seats, it was a partial defeat for the Prime Minister, Saad Hariri. He was facing a very different campaign because he had lost some of his traditional supporters to independent candidates, but also to the apathy that was clouding the election. Many people hold a grudge against Prime Minister Hariri because having long been anti-Hezbollah, he left the country and was effectively in exile for three years before deciding to come back and become Prime Minister. To do so, he required an agreement with Hezbollah. And this alienated some Sunni voters. You could perhaps say it alienated the hardline Sunni voters who, while they may not have voted against Hariri, they at least didn't turn up. And by losing a third of his seats, he probably will remain prime minister, but he's in a weaker position and therefore less of a counterweight against Hezbollah. Thanks to Arthur McMillan for joining us on this episode of Beyond the Headlines. I would also like to thank Dana Mukhallati and Mas'ud Dirhali for helping me out on the show, and Emmanuel Sumuglu for producing this episode. You can find all The National's podcasts, such as Business Extra and Extra Time, on our website, thenational.ae. Thank you for listening, and goodbye.